guys are good. Well, good morning. You guys can go ahead and have a seat. Thank you, Lester. Uh, youth, you guys are dismissed to meet your leaders at the left-hand side of the door. Thank you guys for being in here. My name is Roly Resendez, and I am the, the worship leader here at Discovery. I have been here for almost two years now. In fact, almost a month from today, August 1st, will be my two-year anniversary at Discovery, and it has been an awesome two years, to be quite honest. I, uh, it's been amazing since my wife and I have been called here to see the way that God has worked in us and through us. It's been awesome to get to know so many of you, to worship alongside of you, uh, to help lead you in worship. And I'm really excited to see what it is that God has for us uh, in the next few years. So, as I mentioned, been here almost two years. And funny story, about three, four months into my tenure here at Discovery, John, my boss and our lead pastor, came to me and he said, Oh, I had a dream about you. Actually, it was more of a nightmare. <laughs> Not exactly what you want to hear from your boss after being hired three or four months in, but I played along and said, okay, well, what, what was your dream? He goes, well, in, in my nightmare, you were leading worship. And again, I'm like, really? That's your nightmare? That's kind of what you hired me to do. And he, so I go, what's, what's wrong? Well, in, in my dream, you were leading worship, and at the end of the song, you just decided to start talking. And at first, I thought, no big deal. You're just going to talk a little bit about the song. Maybe you're going to pray. But then you just kept going and kept going and kept going. And then before I knew it, the sermon time was up, church was over, and we all had to go home, and I didn't get to preach, and that was his nightmare. <laughs> well, John, this morning, you get to live your nightmare because it's all me, baby. <laughs> this, I do feel a little weird because usually I'm confined to the rug back here. This is kind of my comfort area. This is where I like to stay. This space is not... This is not really where I like to be. In fact, I feel much more comfortable with a guitar. I think maybe I could just stand here and hold the guitar the whole time. Things would go a lot better for me. So this thing is going to take a little while to get used to. This thing is called a countryman, and I think you have to be a country singer to wear it. So I do feel a little like Garth Brooks. I, did, I wore my belt buckle today so I could kind of fit in, right? So, okay, no more jokes. Some of you are probably like, man, we paid full price for this guy. Where's John? So no more jokes. Paul's going to pass out tomatoes instead of worship guys, and then we're, all, then we're all in trouble. So we are in the third week of our Water from a Deep Well series. And this is a series where we are talking about uh, spiritual disciplines, the life-giving disciplines that we need, things that are like water to us, what we need to survive. Um, the very first week of this, we talked about community. And we got an opportunity to hear about the value of community and why it's so important that we spend time in community, how it helps us to grow, it's for support, it's for protection. A couple weeks ago, John spoke on Sabbath, which is the idea of taking a 24-hour block of time and setting it aside to rest, to not work, to spend time with God, to do things that we delight in. This morning, I get to talk about the spiritual discipline of corporate worship, which is kind of my thing. I love to worship. Um, before we do that, though, I wanted to give you a little background on me and my experience with worship. See, I grew up in a, a fairly conservative uh, Christian home and church. In fact, until I was a sophomore in high school, we had what I called the worship pastor choir director as a worship pastor. And so basically what that looks like is the worship pastor choir director stands with a microphone pressed firmly against his chin. He has a pianist who accompanies him. They start the song, and then he waves his arms back and forth while the whole church sings. And when he's done, he brings his hands to a close, and that's it. Some of you are kind of nodding your head. You're familiar with this. This is how I grew up in church, and so my experience with worship was that. In fact, we were affectionately coined as the frozen chosen. This was our, <laughs> this was our posture in worship. That's how you did it. 
In fact, even today, if you look during worship, if I'm not playing, this is kind of the go-to. This is how I start. The rest of my body kind of wiggles and moves, like a, you know, kind of like a jellyfish. But I, this is kind of the go-to until I start really getting into it. Because that was, my, that was my background and my experience with worship until I went to college. And I went to a private Christian university up in Reading called Simpson. And my experience with worship there was completely and totally different than what I was used to. When I first walked in, the thing I noticed, first of all, were there were guitars. And not just one, but multiple. There were acoustic guitars, there were electric guitars, there were bass guitars, there were keyboards and pianos and drums, and it was loud. You could feel like the bass rattling through you, and I love to feel the bass. You can ask the sound team. I'm constantly telling them, give me more bass, give me more kick. I want to feel it vibrating through me. Some of you may or may not like that, but I love it. And then there were the people. The people didn't worship like this. Some of them had their eyes closed during worship. Some of them had their hands up in the air. Others were even dancing. It was weird. Quite honestly, my view and my experience with worship caused me to sort of judge this worship. But over the course of time, something started to change in me. I started to feel emotions that I had never experienced before. I started to feel the stirring inside of me when we would gather for chapel. They, I would get chills over my whole body. I didn't know what it was then. I know what it is now. I know that it was the Holy Spirit moving. Then, I didn't get it. Um, I would come into chapel sometimes just elated, just joyful, just so excited to worship. Sometimes I'd be moved to tears. Um, there was a closeness that I felt to God that I'd never experienced before. Um, and suddenly, I was the one whose eyes were closed, whose hands were up in the air worshiping. I was no longer doing this, but I was like this, worshiping. But I'll tell you what I've come to learn over the, the last few years is that it wasn't just the music that caused that. It was the speakers who were passionate about sharing the gospel, who were passionate about what they were speaking on. It was the time that I spent studying the word with the people sitting right next to me. It was the time that I spent praying for the people next to me and having them pray for me in community. It was all of those things combined that helped me to experience worship in a whole new way. It wasn't just the music. And so this morning, the spiritual discipline that I want to talk about is corporate worship. What value is it? What is the purpose of gathering like we do on Sunday morning? And what role should that play in our lives outside of these four walls? Let's start by praying, though. Dear Heavenly Father, God, it is um, a privilege and an honor to, to come and, and to teach and to preach your word, God. And I pray this morning that you would use me. Um, I pray that we would hear from you, that we wouldn't hear from me, uh, but that we would get to hear from you this morning. In your name I pray, amen. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them to Colossians chapter 3. If you don't have a Bible, just go ahead and raise your hand, and one of our ushers will be happy to give you a Bible that you can use. And if, if you want, you can take it home and keep it. If you don't have a Bible at Discovery, we'd love for everybody to have um, a Bible they can call their own and study daily and read. So feel free to take that and keep it if you need it. Also, on our app, you can access today's scriptures and the reading plans, uh, Summer in the Psalms, and just do download that onto your phone. So in Colossians, the third chapter, starting in verse 12, it says this, Put on, then, as God's chosen and holy beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, 
which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, who, who, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Corporate worship is a lot more than just singing. It's teaching, preaching, admonishing, fellowship, praying together. At Discovery, our working definition of corporate worship is this. The gathering of God's people for the purpose of teaching the word, singing praises, praying for and encouraging one another with the goal of being disciples who make disciples of Christ. When we gather to do all of those things, our spiritual fire is rekindled and kept burning. We have a fire that burns inside of us, and sometimes we come in and that fire is a little bit small because we've been beat up throughout the week. Life is tough. We get worn out. We get exhausted, and we come together, and we do the things that Paul describes, and that fire is rekindled, and it burns bright so that we can go out and share the gospel. Don Whitney, in his book, Spiritual Discipline, he says this, there's an element of worship and Christianity that cannot be experienced in private worship or by watching worship. There are some graces and blessings that God gives only in the meeting together with other believers. There's something special that happens when we gather to worship corporately that doesn't happen on our own. I'm not saying that you can't worship and experience God in private, because you can, but it's unique when we come together and do this. This is what I think Paul is talking about in Ephesians 4 when he says that we are equipping the saints, building up the body for the work of ministry, to do God's work. We are building each one, each one of us are getting built up when we come together. Um, Throughout scripture, we are referred to as God's building, God's temple, the body of Christ, the household of God, living stones being built as a spiritual house. Collectively, we are these things. Individually, it's hard to be a house. It takes more than one person to be a house. And so when we come together to hear the word taught, to sing the word, to pray the word, to be in fellowship together, we are being built up. We come together and we knit together the fabric of our lives. You guys have all heard the cotton commercial? The fabric of our lives, right? That's kind of what we're doing, right? We are being knit together and we get to experience God through one another. That's what's special about corporate worship. And so My main point this morning, what I want you to walk away with is this. Corporate worship is the fuel for our discipleship. Coming together to worship like we do leads us into everything else well. We come, we worship, we are filled up. We go out and we make disciples who come back in and continue to worship, to do what we were created to do, who are filled up, who go back out and make disciples. You see, it's a cycle. Okay, we talk about fuel, right? Fuel is a thing that we put into our cars, and it propels the car forward. Sometimes we talk about food as fuel. We eat food, and we survive. This is what we're talking about. Coming together to worship, it's our fuel. It's the thing that helps us survive. It leads us into discipleship. Here at Discovery, discipleship is something that's very important. It's in our mission statement. Our mission statement says this. We are here to meet people where they are, and lead them to be disciples of Jesus Christ who make disciples of Jesus Christ. So in order for us to really grasp the idea that worship is the fuel for our discipleship, I have three points that I want us to talk about. These, are, these ideas are to help us understand the purpose of our worship on Sunday uh, and how it carries us into our lives outside of these walls. So point number one is this. 
God made worship for our benefit. God made worship so that we would benefit. The object of our worship is always God. Always should be, always will be God. But we are the ones who benefit. What benefit is it to God that we come and worship him? So many times I came in the church with the idea that I'm going to worship God because it's what he told me to do. I'm made to worship. It's what he wants me to do. He needs me to worship him, and so I'm going to give it my all. But I never really took the time to think that God doesn't need me to praise him. God doesn't need anything from me. We get a picture of this in Psalms. In in chapter 50, uh, verses 10 and 12, it says this. For every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. I know all the birds of the hills, and all that moves in the field is mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world and its fullness are mine. God doesn't need anything from us. He's not lacking in some way that he needs us to come and worship him. He has everything. The world and his fullness are his. C.S. Lewis, who's a famed author of Chronicles of Narnia, also wrote countless other books. One of the books that he wrote is called Reflections on the Psalms, and he talks on this a little bit, and he he says it in a way that that only he can say it, and it says this. I did not see that it is in the process of being worshipped that God communicates his presence to men. It is not, of course, the only way, but for many people at many times, the fair beauty of the Lord is revealed chiefly or only while they worship him together. You see, we come together, we hear the word, we sing the word, we pray the word, and it's God who gives and us who receive. He goes on to say, the miserable idea that God should, in any sense, need or crave for our worship, like a vain woman wanting compliments, or a vain author presenting his new books to people who never, heard, who never met or heard him, is implicitly answered by the words, if I be hungry, I will not tell thee. Even if such an absurd deity could be conceived, He would not hardly come to us, the lowliest of rational creatures, to gratify his appetite. I don't want my dog to bark approval of my books. I love that. C.S. Lewis, right? God doesn't need us to worship him, but we need it. God isn't lacking in some way that he's had a bad week. He says, ah, I need you guys to come to church on Sunday and worship me and fill me up because I I need it. No, we are the ones who come in on Sunday worn out and exhausted and say, I need something. And God says, worship me so that I can fill you up. That is the purpose of our worship, that we are the ones who benefited. Again, we see this in Acts chapter 17, the idea that God doesn't need what we have. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. God made everything, has everything, doesn't need anything, and if he did, he's not going to need it from us. God made worship so that we would benefit, so that when we come in, we are the ones who are filled up. And so the first point of it, ending that worship is the fuel for our discipleship, is understanding that worship was made for our benefit. Point number two is this. Worship is for our ministry. Worship is designed to lead us into everything else well. When we come together on Sunday morning to hear the word, to sing and praise, to pray, to be in fellowship. We are being filled up so that we can go out and sustain into the rest of our weeks. Go back and look at what Paul says in verses 12 through 15, that list of things that he calls us to. It says, Put on then, as God's chosen and holy ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bear with one another, forgive one another, put on love, have harmony, 
and be at peace, be thankful. That's a, that's a long list. That's a tough list. I mean, imagine if we could actually do that on a daily basis, all those things. I would be happy if I could on a daily basis do like two, maybe three of those things. I mean, ask my wife, she's probably like, eh, maybe like one or two is where you're at right now. I mean, that's just the reality. That's a tough list of things to do. But if we keep reading, Paul tells us the best way for us to accomplish that. In verses 16, he says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. If we want to be kind, if we want to be meek, if we want to be humble, then we need to spend time in the word. We need to spend time worshiping together in song and in teaching and fellowship and prayer. Have any of you gone on vacation recently? Anyone go anywhere cool? A few of you gone on vacation? Every summer, my wife and I will go up to visit her family in Seattle. That's where she's from. And so usually we'll go in July, 10, 10 days, 12 days, and we like to go when it's like 110 here because when it's 110 here, it's like 75 or 80 up there. But because they're so far away, we don't get up there very often. But when we do go, our, our schedule is packed hey, let's go here, let's go hike here, let's go out to eat here, let's go play some golf over here. Our schedule just gets crazy. And one of the things that ends up happening is we don't end up going to church for a couple of weeks. And you know what I've noticed when I don't go to church for a couple of weeks? I'm not as kind as I usually am. I don't have as much patience. My wife would say I'm not as humble as I usually am, if at all. Uh, things, in, things in me aren't as good as they should be when I'm not in church together. Okay? Worship is designed to carry us into everything else well. Okay? Worship fuels us and puts us on a path to be disciples who make disciples, who come back in and worship and get filled up and go back out again to make disciples. We as a body are being filled when we hear the word taught, when we sing the word, when we pray the word. Paul goes as far as to say that everything that we do when we gather should be for the building up of the body. I'm not being filled so I can keep it to myself. I'm being filled so that I can go out and share it. I'm being filled so that I can be a disciple who makes disciples. I get an opportunity on Sunday morning to be filled with the Holy Spirit in worship. And from that point, I go to where God has placed me to make disciples. I think that this is what Paul is talking about in Romans 12.1 when he says that we are to offer our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable and pleasing to God, which is our spiritual act of worship. We leave here filled up and go to where God has us and to spread the gospel and to make disciples. This is, what our, this is how worship is for our ministry, so that we are filled up to be poured out again. So point two in understanding that worship is the fuel for our discipleship is understanding that worship is for our ministry. And finally, worship is for our understanding. Worship helps us to make sense of the world around us. It helps us to recalibrate and to refocus. You know, often we come into Sunday morning with a bit of a spiritual fog around us. The week has been tough. We're worn out. We're tired. We've gotten a little off track. And sometimes we just come in and we check off the boxes of things we're supposed to do. I do it. Come in and say, all right, get my cup of coffee. Check. Get my worship guy. Check. Sit down. Check. Listen to the band. Check. Nod in approval of the sermon. Check. Talk to a few people. Check. Go home Sunday. Off the list. I'm done. And we miss the opportunity to come to recalibrate, to refocus, to have that spiritual fire fanned and excited again. You know, over the summer, not summer, I'm sorry, over Christmas last December, my wife and I bought my son Levi a toy train set. You guys have all seen him, right? You, you link all the tracks together, you put the train on, and it just goes around. 
One of the things I noticed when I played with him is that if you bump it, the train gets off the track, but it'll still go around. It just kind of is a little gimpy, just and it still moves at a pretty decent pace. It gets the job done, but if you don't take the time to get it back on the track, it doesn't work quite right. And often, that's how I feel. I come into Sunday morning, and I don't take the time to recalibrate, to refocus. I just go through the motions, and I miss out on the purpose of what we're doing here. I'm just checking off the list. Look at the world around us. It's falling to pieces. We have shootings. We have bombings. We have political unrest. This is the place where we come to help make sense of that, where God can reveal himself to us and help us to make sense of it. In Psalm 73, we get a really good picture of this. Asaph, the psalmist, is talking about the world around him. They can't make sense of it. He doesn't understand how the wicked are prospering. And he he says things like, they're full of pride. They're full of deceit. Uh, They are violent people. Their words are filled with spite and malice. Their mouths are turned against heaven. And he, he can't make sense of the world. But I love what he says in Psalm 73, 16 and 17. For when I thought how to understand this, it seemed to me a wearisome task. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I discerned their end. It's when he comes into the sanctuary to worship that God reveals himself and makes sense of what's going on around him. When we come together to worship, we get an opportunity for God to reveal himself, to help us make sense of what's going on around us, for us to recalibrate, refocus, restoke that fire inside of us so that we leave filled up, not worn out. We should have the joy of the Lord in our hearts, and it should be it's just, it's just exploding from us when we leave here. And this is what God wants us to do when we come together. So to recap, Worship is the fuel for our discipleship, and the way that we help understand that is understanding that God made worship for our benefit, that he wants us to come in on Sunday morning and be filled up. He wants to give to us. Worship leads us into everything else well. It's for our ministry. It helps us to be filled and go out to where God has placed us so that we can spread the gospel and make disciples who make disciples. And finally, worship allows us to understand what's going on around us, to refocus, to recalibrate, and to restoke that spiritual fire. In closing this morning, I'd like us to kind of consider three things, kind of takeaways. In a minute, we're going to enter into our response time, which is what we do at Discovery every week. It's an opportunity to sit, reflect on the Word, to spend time in prayer, to allow the Holy Spirit to minister to us. And so I'd like you to consider these things. Number one, consider how Sunday morning is fueling your discipleship, and take a step towards being refueled. We have an awesome opportunity to come together and worship. One of the things I would love, excuse me, one of the things I would love to see you do during this response time is to go and receive prayer. We have an awesome prayer team over here at the left-hand side of the stage every Sunday morning, and they are dying to pray for you. They want to be there to encourage you, to help you lift up your praises to God, help you lift up your concerns to God, to make sense of what's going on around you. We're also going to sing. We're going to sing praises, and I want you to think about worshiping with the knowledge that I'm being filled, that I'm coming in and I'm saying, God, I'm tired. God, I'm worn out. And when I sing and when I praise, he is filling me up so that I can go out and make disciples. Something else I would love for you to do is take some time to go back and listen to previous sermons. John, our lead pastor, spends countless hours preparing to teach the word of God because he knows that we need it. It's what he's called to do. 
So maybe you need a refresher on the Disciple Series or the Holy Spirit Series or the Gospel Challenge. Go back and listen to those. Restoke that spiritual fire so that when you go to wherever it is that God has you placed, you're filled up and you are ready to make disciples. Thing number two I'd like you to consider is ask God to realign your view on corporate worship to what really matters. I mentioned earlier that my view on worship was a little skewed from my experience with it. Take time to realign your view on what it is we do in here on Sunday morning. It's not about how good the worship is, musically speaking. It's not, a, not about who's speaking, how long the sermon is, or even how good the coffee is. And I know that's a big one because I love coffee. Those are not the things that matter. What matters is we have an opportunity to, along with each other, side by side, experience God. To worship God in song, to worship God in the word and prayer, to be filled up. And so I would encourage you during this time of response to ask God to help you to realign your view on what it is that we are doing here. And finally, let's get on track with the mission and the vision of discovery. We are about making disciples. We want this city to know how good and how great our God is. Okay? We want to build the kingdom of God, and that starts with being filled up. We want to come here. We want to hear the truth about God. We want our affections to be stirred. We want to move into joyful action as a result of that. And that is how worship is the fuel for our discipleship. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, it is by your grace and your grace alone that we get to come and to worship you, God. We know that you don't need us to worship you, but God, we are so thankful that you have a desire to fill us. Lord, and I pray this morning that as we spend time reflecting that you would come and you would minister to us this morning. God, that we would feel your presence as we sang earlier, God, that your, your Holy Spirit would come and fill this place, that we would be refreshed, that we would have an opportunity to recalibrate and refocus. God, I pray this morning that as we spend time in response, God, that we would truly understand the value of what we are doing here on Sunday morning. God, that we would be filled so that we could go out and make disciples. In your name I pray, amen.